The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now I'm sure you would have seen uh, the uh, figures uh, reported in the front page front page of some newspapers uh, today that uh, Ireland's carbon emissions did fall last year. They fell by one point nine percent, but road transport increases uh, undermined progress to a degree, and it means that the targets for the remaining years out to 2025 and then beyond to 2030 are going to be even harder to reach. Sive O'Neill is with me now. She's a coordinator of Stop Climate Chaos Coalition and a lecturer in climate and energy law in TU Dublin. Sive, you're welcome to the uh, programme as always. Um, I mean, uh, given the figures are down, but maybe not down by as much as we hoped, I, I'm struggling to decide whether this is kind of good news or bad news. <laughs> well, it would be good news if it definitely meant that Ireland's greenhouse gas emissions had peaked. We can't really say that. It's not obvious that there's a trend yet in sight. So we saw very modest emission reductions of just 1.9%, and that reflected some improvements in the energy sector uh, despite an increase in energy demand. It um, you know, reflected a, a reduction in the use of nitrogen fertilisers, which also drive up emissions. So all of those things are welcome. But because of the hike in fuel costs last year, it's not possible really for the statisticians to say whether it was policy measures that drove the emission reductions or people, you know, voluntarily using less um, like fertilizer and energy because of the sheer cost of it when it spiked uh, as a result of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So we really won't know uh, for another couple of years whether this is a long term trend, whether things are moving in the right direction. Uh, but it's obviously much better than an increase in emissions, which is something we've been talking about many times. Okay, so so the the, the a little asterisk, if we'll describe it that way, besides mm. kind of you know energy use when it comes to homes and fertilizer use, we'll have to wait and see how that pans out over the coming years when prices come back down to more normal levels. We do know though that transport, um, I suppose, undermined some of the progress. Uh, you know, and and to a degree, it's understandable that there was an increase in transport emissions last year. I guess post COVID, when you compare it to the year before, uh, you know, more people back on the road, and 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 you know, more people going to the office. Despite the fact, though, that we know what the explanation is, that doesn't help us in terms of of, of hitting the targets. I mean, how how do we turn the ship around on transport? It is going to be very difficult, very challenging indeed. Uh, So unlike other sectors, transport emissions are very closely coupled with economic growth. As you mentioned, Ireland has been experiencing unprecedented levels, actually, of economic growth of higher than 6% per annum. And that means there's more people at work, more people commuting and more demand for goods and services that have to be trucked around on the Irish roads because very little of um, our freight is moved by rail, which is one of the reasons we have such high emissions from the transport sector. So if we want to address this, we have to do it in a number of different ways. We have to try to design policies that avoid journeys. That includes supporting home working. It it involves reorganising business models so that there's less freight that has to be delivered in the first place, digitalization, that kind of thing. And then we have to improve the systems that we do have. And that means, you know, shifting uh, people onto public transport and active travel. Now, while the government has invested heavily in this area, we're still not seeing a dramatic increase in the level of services enough to drive what we call the modal shift. So you're, Mm. you know, leaving the car at home to get on the bus. Not enough people are seeing that as an attractive, affordable or even available 
uh, service for them in many areas. But the other thing we're dealing with is um, a car culture that's very prominent. And one of the things the, the, the RTE debacle has shone a light on is the extent to which the car industry and its advertising penetrates our culture, our TV culture, in very obvious ways that we've just learned to accept. But in fact, for other reasons now, there's a bit of a scandal associated with it. So one of the things that some countries are doing is they're actually requiring car advertising to include a health warning, pretty much like we did with tobacco, uh, trying to remove the social license or, you know, shift the perception that you need um, a very big, heavy SUV type car in order to, you know, show high status in our mm. very uh, society that's driven by status. So um, so addressing the kind of paradigm shift that we need through regulating marketing, advertising, and also requiring companies to report on all of their emissions. Because when you're a company reporting on sustainability, you can look at your energy use, you can look at, you know, the kind of processes you have, but you also need to look at what we call scope three emissions, which are your downstream emissions, the kind of way that your, your business uh, and its supply chain all together contribute yeah. to climate change. So that means that this is not just the responsibility of the person at home deciding whether to walk, cycle or use the bus or whatever. This is a business issue. This is about how we organize our business activities, whether you're in retail or in other types of services or a large company or state bodies as well. Now, lots of the measures in the Climate Action Plan are really good, actually, you know, around addressing these. But we're still not dealing with the most politically thorny questions of charging people for parking uh, in, 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 in state agencies and public bodies. We're still not uh, having enough high enough parking charges to really deter people from, from driving. So we have to reallocate road space away from uh, cars, but also from parking, because um, as long as we are facilitating that, we're taking up far too much road space that could be used to provide excellent, high quality bus transport and uh, cycleways in our uh, urban areas. And for rural areas, obviously, we need to scale up all the public transport that's not currently there. Yeah, and you, you scale that up. I mean, the, the, the dispersed nature of a lot of the population means that, you know, you're not going to have bus stops outside everybody's. And it's the invariably there'll be people listening to this conversation and, and they think we're talking about them specifically. And they think that, you know, there's no way yeah. I can get the kids out to kind of camogie training in the morning and then over to kind of swimming in the afternoon and then I get to work given where I live. Uh, how important is it that kind of we identify who we are targeting in terms of certain measures? So the overwhelming majority of car journeys yeah. are less than two kilometres and happen in cities. And, and even though they're short, they can be very difficult to do by public transport, just like you're saying. Well, the first thing is we need to we need to stop thinking that this is all impossible. No matter what people's circumstances are, just sort of park your personal reaction for a moment and think about places where they've actually done this. So in Switzerland, they have a very elaborate and very well publicly funded rural public transport system that is so well interconnected. You never have to wait more than 15 minutes to connect to a service that will take you on to a bigger town. And everything is designed and timetabled to be integrated so that no matter how rural you are, you do actually have access to an integrated public transport service. There is no reason why we can't have that in Ireland, notwithstanding our rural dispersed population. It is a question of political choice. We have not invested in it. And transport experts have said 
that, you know, we have experienced huge underinvestment in public transport. So not surprisingly, people uh, drive because that's the only option they have. But it, it's a question of societal choice. And if we reverse that priority, if we prioritise the provision of an integrated public transport system to rural areas, then that excuse falls away. And the other thing is that we're not making use of what's called shared mobility. And very simply, that could be carpooling. It could be, uh, you know, shared car hire services so that you don't actually need to own a car, but you just rent a car when you need it. We have some of those services in Ireland, but they're kind of underutilised and they haven't been promoted as widely as they could. They need to be given dedicated parking spaces near bus stations and so on to make it really easy. And they need to be cheaper because they're much more expensive here than they are in some cities in Europe. So, you know, we do actually have models we can follow. It is not all doom and gloom. We just need to embrace the idea that there's going to be a big change and we're going to have to shift away from a car dependent culture and a road freight culture as well, which lurks in the background. Sive O'Neill. And shift Co- to different oh, ways of doing it. Sorry, we, we, we actually lost Go you on. there for a moment. So I thought you'd stopped, uh, but there was just a little break in the line. But anyway, uh, listen, we thank you for your time. Sive O'Neill, coordinator of Stop Climate Chaos Coalition and lecturer in climate and energy law in TU Dublin. Uh, one of our listeners, David Galway, says, I'm getting so sick and tired of the repetitive lectures. We are expanding our economy significantly. We're increasing our population by tens of thousands a year. How can we realistically, dramatically reduce emissions at the same time? Answer, we can't and we won't. Just accept some reality. Uh, please, well, Dave, listen, I, I would be with you halfway. I think, I mean, I, I don't think it is realistic we hit those 2025 or 2030 targets, certainly in the trajectory we are on. But our economy expanded hugely last year and our population expanded hugely and our emissions did actually go down. So there, there is some scope for improvement. I'm not sure we should completely uh, throw in the towel, uh, but thank you for the text. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.